Air travelers are used to having their luggage weighed before a flight. But if you happen to fly internationally from New Zealand over the next month or so, you would also be weighed. This is part of a passenger weight survey to gather data on the weight load and distribution for airplanes. The data on passenger weight is anonymous, an airline representative said. This is False Check. I'm Carmen Pong. The FDA isn't planning to regulate CBD products, but has ideas on how Congress could do it. At stakeholder meetings in April and May, the agency presented additional details on the type of pathway it thinks Congress could develop for regulating hemp-derived CBD products. Those pathways include accurate labeling requirements, testing for contaminants, and a mandatory ingredient list on products. There will also be safeguards, potency limits for CBD and other cannabinoids, clear labors about cannabinoid level, and measures to reduce the likelihood that you will ingest the product. That's according to recordings of the two meetings obtained by Politico. The FDA on Wednesday said it sent warning letters to 30 retailers and one distributor for selling unauthorized disposable e-cigarettes, including many that are popular among minors. A recent federal survey showed that roughly one in five middle and high school students who vape regularly reported using e-cigarettes products named in the FDA letters. Warning letters are the first step the FDA Center for Tobacco Products can take against those selling unauthorized products. If companies don't respond within 15 days, detailing how they will update their sales practices to comply with the law, the Center for Tobacco Products can seize their products or find the retailers and the distributor. And physicians and hospitals nationwide want to collaborate with the Biden administration to find innovative ways to save Medicare money. Robert King is here to explain the difficulties they face. Thanks for having me. So you reported that doctors and hospitals struggle to get the attention of federal regulators when it comes to strategy for saving Medicare money. Can you explain why? What I was referring to was an effort that the federal government has been doing for more than a decade to change how doctors and hospitals get paid by Medicare. Right now, there is a process called fee-for-service, where a doctor or hospital literally gets paid for every item or service that they offer and give to a Medicare patient. But the problem with this method is that it's very costly for Medicare and isn't actually the best way to deliver care. What the federal government has been trying to do is push doctors and hospitals into a process called value-based care, where a doctor and a hospital are given a set amount or have a spending target that they need to meet for Medicare, and they are held accountable if they go past that target or if they don't meet certain quality metrics. So a good example is payment models that have been instituted to change how doctors and hospitals are paid for joint replacement. Normally, doctor and a hospital would be reimbursed for every single little item and service that is associated with the surgery. Instead, what federal regulators have been testing is giving doctors and hospitals a set amount that they have to meet to cover the surgery so that they are more accountable for the type of care that they provide. What has been the reception from doctors and hospitals? Are they willing to work with this new model? 
The reception from doctors and hospitals has been pretty cool because they are having to change the entire process that they get paid by Medicare, which is a major payer for these healthcare providers. They have to completely overhaul their process. And the federal government has kind of understood this. So they've let doctors and hospitals dip their toes in the water, so to speak, in transitioning to this new process where they're not fully accountable yet for the type of care that they provide. And there's different kind of levels of kind of financial risk that these doctors and hospitals can take on to ensure that they are able to transition slowly to this full risk system. So on the financial risk, because that was something that caught my attention in your story, does it mean, for example, that doctors and hospitals commit to a certain outcome in the example that you gave for joint replacement, that replacement is successful. And then if that doesn't happen, that they wouldn't get the, you know, the full reimbursement or the amount that they were expecting. Is that what the financial risk means? Yes. One of the uh, programs that was created under the Affordable Care Act is called the Medicare Shared Savings Program, where doctors and hospitals can agree to become an accountable care organization or an ACO. And the ACO essentially agrees to meet certain spending and quality targets, where if they're Medicare spending for a certain year goes under a certain level, then they actually get a share of those savings. Now, the downside is that if an ACO goes above their targeted spending level, then they actually have to repay Medicare for some of that funding. That's where the level of risk comes in for the ACO. And the ACO can decide on the level of financial risk that they want to take. It could be all of their Medicare payments or, you know, only 25% of their Medicare payments that would be subject to this scrutiny. What are the doctors and hospitals saying about the situation? Are they trying to get more flexibility or seeking some improvement to the system? The problem right now is that there is a lack of full risk options for doctors and hospitals. The ones that have been in the programs for years now and are ready to kind of take this massive leap. But the problem is, is that there's really only one option right now, and that's the ACO REACH model. And so what some groups like the National Association of ACOs has been pressing is for CMS to adopt another full risk option for these doctors and hospitals that are really kind of ready to do what CMS has been wanting them to, which is transition completely away from fee-for-service. And is CMS open to that? Well, they were pretty opaque when I talked to them for the story. They wouldn't commit either way to giving those additional options. They said that potentially what happens in other payment models like ACO Reach could inform future decisions, but they wouldn't commit one way or the other to the requests of these advocates. Thanks for talking to me, Robert. Thanks for having me. And before you go, I wanted to let you know about Politico's upcoming Healthcare Summit on June 7th. Hear from White House COVID-19 Response Coordinator Ashish Jha, Office of National Drug Control Policy Director Rahul Gupta, and more. We'll discuss the innovations transforming healthcare in America. You can learn more and register for in-person or remote attendance by visiting www.politico.com slash healthcare summit.
And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Amond is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Carmen Pond. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters, where you can read this reporting. Pulse, future polls, and prescription polls. Thanks for listening. 